Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Standard Protocol. I'm your host, Matt Sutter. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode number 11. Your followership is much appreciated. Uh, If you haven't caught up on episodes 1 through 10, please do so. Those are out there on SoundCloud and YouTube. Uh, We are actually looking to expand our footprint a little bit, so we're trying to get on Stitcher, iTunes, all those other platforms, uh, and we will get that done here at some point. It's just taking a little bit longer than we had anticipated. Uh, That said, uh, we appreciate uh, you spreading the word and and getting the the word of the show out there so that we gain more uh, subscriptions, more likes, all that kind of stuff. And we also want to hear from you. Standard Protocol Podcast at gmail.com. Standard Protocol Podcast at gmail.com. And those emails come directly to our inbox here. We do read every one of them, believe it or not. We don't uh, bypass anybody. Uh, if you take the time to write to us, we will read it and try to try to tackle your topic or, or at least uh, state your point of view on the air for us. So uh, the, for those of you that have been sending in the emails, it's much appreciated. Again, as I've said all along, the email inbox helps fuel the show because there's a lot to talk about. And if we don't know what you want to hear specifically, then... Uh, you know, we're, we're not making that connection. So uh, much appreciated for those of you that email us regularly. And we will get to a few emails later on in the show. Last week, I know I talked about uh, send me a song lyric or a quote or something that's gotten you through some hard times. We did get a few responses on that. And so uh, we will definitely try to touch on a few of those later in the show here. But I wanted to uh, get into topic number one here today. So topic number one here today, um, this is going to be kind of a broad topic again, uh, trying not to narrowly focus the show too much, but uh, what are some of the after effects that you've noticed with COVID? And what I mean by that is, are the, the policies and procedures that your company or that your place of work implemented during COVID, are they still sticking to those? Or have we gone back to normal? Is everybody back in the office? Do we still have people working remotely? Is there a hybrid system for time in office versus time at home? And are there still um, companies out there that are putting people, you know, if you're exposed to somebody with COVID, uh, which isn't happening as frequently anymore, which is a good thing. But if you are exposed, are they making you stay away for a few days? Or what What have your companies done to, um, I guess, to learn from the pandemic? And have we have we clung to some of those policies and procedures that we implemented during that pandemic and, and, or have we just completely, you know, no, back, no more rules anymore, back to normal, uh, just forgetting that it even happened. So that's where I'm curious to know, um, how some of you are doing out there. Now I know that, um, you know, in my profession, uh, we didn't have the option to work from home. We had to be out serving the public and we had to be out, you know, taking emergency calls for service and things like that. Now, obviously, we took precautions with masks and things and tried to adhere to the guidance that was that we were getting at any given point in time. Um, but really, um, you know, it, it didn't really change how we operated at all. And now that we're pretty much back to a sense of normalcy, uh, we, we really aren't doing anything different than we did pre-pandemic, but I am curious to know which of your employers have uh, really stuck to some of the changes that were made during the pandemic and who have completely uh, gone back and said, okay, this thing's over and done with. Uh, it's, it's back to business as usual. Are there things that we learned from the um, 
the pandemic and not necessarily the pandemic itself. There's a lot we learned from that. But are there things about how we handled that that we're taking away and saying, okay, in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, maybe it's another Spanish flu or it's 100 years out. Uh, is, is Do we have systems and procedures in place to deal with that? Or are we going to be reinventing the wheel all over again when it happens, even though we went through it for two years and we kind of know what works and what doesn't work? And I would I would argue that if you're if your company or your the environment you work in, if you're not developing some type of uh, contingency plan for not not if but when it happens again, um, if you're not developing some type of plan for that so that we don't have to reinvent the wheel, um, then you know you 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 might be behind the eight ball a little bit there. Um, so I'm just curious to hear your thoughts and what companies are doing to better prepare for the next outbreak or pandemic. Um, you know, and I don't want to get too far into the, you know, were masks effective or, you know, do we know how this originated? There's, you know, you start getting into that. You have people that have different political beliefs on each side of the, the aisle. Um, I try to stay neutral and just listen to the science of it. But even then, you know, it's some things that were recommended during COVID. The science wasn't necessarily proven or wasn't necessarily accurate. We've, we now know. So, um, you know, I, I try to keep an open mind with these things, but mainly what I want to know is how did your company get around it? And was it, you know, what are, what are the differences between the companies that stayed afloat and didn't skip a beat during COVID? Because there were some of those out there and the, the companies that really struggled to keep the doors open and the lights on and people moving forward and to keep that corporate bottom line in the black, so to speak. Um, how, how did we do and, and what, uh, you know, what things do we take away from that and what can we do better? So I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on that. Uh, standard protocol podcast at gmail.com. I would say that, um, you know, the next time a pandemic like this rolls around, depending upon the virus and or the, you know, symptoms and what's going on, I don't know that I, I don't know that I'm going to be as initially terrified about it as I was about COVID because you just heard all these nightmare stories about how this thing was going to sweep the world and, you know, take out half the population and it, you know, the, the virus itself could live on a surface for nine days. So you had no idea what you were going to touch and when you were going to pick it up and we were all going to get it at some point. And I think most of us did get it at some point, whether you knew you had it or not. Um, but obviously once the vaccines kicked in, the death rate, you know, went down, um, even with people with preexisting conditions, uh, you know, the, the vaccines seem, seem to help a little bit. So there's, you know, I like to, I like to stay true to the science. Um, but obviously there was a lot that we didn't know about this one because it it just kind of came out of nowhere and it's not something that our generation had dealt with before. So, uh, that being said, Hopefully you and your companies have debriefed things and kind of have a plan or roadmap, maybe develop some policies and procedures around, you know, telecommuting and, and all the things that uh, COVID, uh, you know, COVID showed some companies and some work environments that the, you know, working from home can be done and it can be just as effective, if not more effective than others. And then there are other environments where it just flat out didn't work and, Things weren't getting taken care of without having people in the office. So, again, curious to hear your thoughts on that. Um, and that will actually dovetail me into topic number two for the day. 
Topic number two for the day is debriefing things. Uh, what I find that whenever we do anything, whether it's a minor operation, a uh, critical incident, uh, something where someone was injured or just you know flat out made a bad decision, always going back and debriefing those things uh, is the key to ensuring they don't happen again. Um, and you've heard me say it before on the show here. We, when, when things go south, when, when we have a problem, it's not, it's generally not because we have bad employees. It does, is there misconduct at times and things like that? Absolutely. But that's very rare when things don't go right. It's because someone's experiencing a situation. They don't have a lot of recognition, prime decision-making, or they don't have enough information in their hard drive to be able to formulate a plan in how to handle it properly. Have you ever gone into a new situation, a first first time you've ever done something and gotten it done right the first time? Maybe if it's, you know, if it's uh you you know playing a game of ping pong with somebody, you might you might get lucky and win the first time. Uh that's what they call beginner's luck. But realistically, you don't know what you're doing there until you've got, you know, thousands of hours and reps or, you know, maybe not thousands of hours at ping pong, but you know, whatever you're doing, you have to get some repetitions under your belt so that you can feel comfortable and know what you're doing. And so whenever things go wrong, it's generally not because we have somebody bad or there's misconduct or they disregarded a policy or a procedure. It generally speaking is because they were in, put into a situation that they hadn't dealt with before and they were they were thrust into something that they didn't have any information in their hard drive to draw off of to formulate something that would come out in the manner of a sec- successful result so um, i think that we we oftentimes we jump to conclusions that you know when there's a mistake or when somebody screws up but uh, you know at the at the end of the day um, these situations, a lot of them can resolve by better can be resolved by better training, by um, just exposing our people to as much as they possibly can, so that they develop that recognition, prime decision making. And we did a bit on RPDM uh, several, I don't know, three or four or five maybe episodes ago. Um, go back and listen to that because that truly is the you know the high risk, low frequency incident uh, type thing where. You know, the more time we have to to analyze a situation and think about it, the better. But oftentimes we're so quick to make a decision, even though we don't have the experience or the information to make that decision. And generally those are the wrong decisions that we make. And that's what comes back to bite us. So how you avoid that is every time you have a mistake or every time you have a situation, whether it's a, a big ticket item or, or just a run of the mill routine thing, Always take a moment to stop and debrief and say, hey, that went really well and here's why. Or, hey, that didn't go so well and we need to clean up, you know, points X, Y, and Z to ensure that that goes better the next time. The debriefs in things, we do them on any number of situations, big or small. And I almost always learn more from the debrief than I do from the actual event itself. So make sure you're conducting those debriefs anytime you have something go down. If it's a project you you worked on as a team in your environment and all of a sudden you submit it and it, you know, everything goes off without a hitch, don't think you're done at that point. Always go back and bring everybody back in a short time later and say, hey, uh, we got that done. We pulled it off successfully. That's great. 
uh, if we were to do it again today, uh, what changes would we make or what would we, what, you know, and, and, and not saying that, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, but you can always do better. We can always be more efficient in everything we do. And you're only going to get to that and learn what that's all about by way of the debrief. So make sure we're debriefing everything out there. Um, I sit back and I actually debrief these shows when I'm done. I listen to them before we release them and I make sure that there's not something in there that I, you know, misspoke on or, or misquoted myself or, or um, just flat out, you know, said something and spoke incorrectly and it didn't come out the right way. So um, I'm always debriefing, always looking for ways to improve. And I would encourage you to do the same thing. And, the, and, and it becomes it becomes a little bit contagious, I find, where if you start doing that after every operation or every assignment that you have, uh, I think you will find that the, your peers around you will start to do the same thing and they'll start to really chime in. And, and, and we should have relationships with our coworkers where we can speak to each other in a manner when, you know, when there is an issue that arises, we can speak to each other in a manner where we're just addressing the issue and nothing more. We don't make it personal. We say, hey, you know, this is the direction you went with that, but he, we were hoping to go in this other direction here. How do we get you down the same road as the rest of us on the next one? And, and that's really all it has to be. It doesn't have to be a personal attack. It doesn't have to be vicious. Um, just make sure we're having good communication in these debriefs and that people don't get uh, upset when they're challenged on something because that's what the debrief is all about. Let's talk about it. Maybe Maybe uh, maybe I did something because of what I was seeing from my perspective and you didn't see the same thing from your vantage point or from your perspective, so you don't understand why I did what I did. Well, that's how we iron that out is in the debrief. We talk about those things and we say, hey, I, I did steps one through five and here's why I stopped at five because I didn't think we were ready for six yet. And, and then everybody sits back and goes, well, okay, I understand that. You're probably right. Um, or sometimes they say, nah, you know, go ahead. You could have, you could have moved on without us. What, you know, whatever the case may be, there's always room for discussion on these things. And the better the discussion, uh, the better relationships we build, the better our projects go, the better, uh, assignments get taken care of and so forth and so on. So with that, um, debriefs, tell me about a time where you guys debrief something in your environment. Um, and even, even if you felt, even if you felt that it was unnecessary to have a debrief going in, but after the debrief, you learned something, I want to hear stories like that too. So please, by all means, uh, hit us up on the email standard protocol podcast at gmail.com. And with that, we'll roll into topic number three. So topic number three today is going to be, uh, kind of a broad one again, but rebuilding, have you ever been part of a division or unit where you had to rebuild, where you had to come in and you were the person that they selected to completely revamp a division or an area that had been somewhat lackluster in the past, or maybe it was just due for a change. Maybe you just needed to overhaul things and modernize it, uh, get policies and procedures up to standard. Um, because as we know, if thing, things become stagnant in certain areas of every organization and occasionally it takes a fresh set of eyes to come in and really start to roll up their sleeves, get their hands dirty and fix things. Um, if you're one that gets selected for these types of assignments, my hat is off to you because they are very difficult and it's very much 
yeah, there, no doubt about it, you have to have somebody with strong leadership uh, qualities in these positions to do an overhaul or a rebuild of a unit. And I will tell you from my personal experience, um, I've done it a few times and it has always been a challenge that I've enjoyed. Uh, and I've always been able to make forward progress. And, and some, in one case, I made um, forward progress just enough to hand it off to the next guy and then let them really build on the foundation that I had set. And that was a good feeling just to know that you're setting someone else up for success and you're not leaving them a complete dumpster fire to deal with, so to speak. So um, if you find yourself in this situation, the first thing you're going to have to do when you go to rebuild something is you're going to have to recruit some talent that respects you as a leader, that will understand your expectations, and that will uh, follow you, you know, go into battle with you at, at any point in time and not question why, even though you're always going to explain to them the why. They're just going to trust you and they're, you're going to build that relationship. And so there are probably people in your organization that you already have those relationships with. Those are good ones to tap into if you need to form a new division quickly and get it up and running. Um, the other thing that I would add is the the if, if you're in a situation, and, and I was offered a position recently where uh, there's nobody left. Like you have to take, you have to take things from day one and rebuild the entire unit from the ground up. And to me, um, that's intriguing. I, I think that there's a lot of potential to do big things there. I think there's going to be a lot of heavy lifting. There's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some things that maybe, um, don't go well initially, but, but, uh, you know, it, it's maybe a trial and error period on some areas, but at the end of the day, you, you have the ability to make it whatever, whatever you want. And if the sky's the limit, then why not shoot for the stars and, and try to recruit the best people, try to find funding sources to purchase the best equipment, try to, try to take on that role. And even if you're not necessarily the one they pick to do it, jump on board with somebody else who's going through this. If there's somebody that you respect their leadership qualities, jump on board with them and go, you know, head into this process together and, uh, you know, the more people you get in that trusted inner circle on that team, uh, the faster you're going to hit the ground running and the, the more success you're going to have. So if you are the type that's offered those rebuilding assignments, again, my hat's off to you because they are difficult. Uh, I've always said you never want to follow the best leader when you go into something. Like if somebody moves on through attrition and you become the next one to step up and take that leadership role, you never want to follow the rock star. You always want to follow the guy that was kind of mediocre or, or the gal that was, you know, a dumpster fire that, uh, you know, didn't have anything squared away and things were just chaos because then you come in, apply some common sense to things and a little bit of hard work and your work ethic. And now all of a sudden you've got a, you've got a decent functioning thing going there. And that to me speaks a lot about, uh, who you are and, and your capabilities and the potential that you have within your organization. And again, the fact that people, 
people are selecting you to come in and do that type of stuff, that further illustrates it. It just further solidifies that you have those leadership skills and those abilities. So whenever you see an offer like that, don't just immediately scoff at it and say, oh, who would want to touch that mess or how, you know, I'd be digging myself out of a hole. Well, you know what? Grab a shovel, start digging, because once you get out of the hole, things things might be pretty successful for you. Um, you've, you've always got to you've always got to break some eggs to make an omelet, right? And so there's always going to be those challenges initially in any new assignment. And even if it's something that you know inside and out, front to back, um, just come in and, and you know, t- take the people aspect as the challenge, meaning uh, leading the people, getting them to being productive again, forming your own team. You know, they always say in, uh, you know, one of the courses I took in, in leadership, there's always the storming, forming, norming, and performing phases of everything. Uh, The storming period is when you come in and you've got nothing to work with. Then you're going to start the forming period where you start to form your team and you start to form how things are going to look and how things are going to go. Then there's the norming, which is just kind of everybody getting their feet on the ground and just getting kind of a sense of normalcy. And then all of a sudden, one day, boom, you're performing and everything's coming together and firing on all cylinders. So that, you know, storming, uh, forming, storming, norming, performing is is huge. And it happens in sports teams. It happens in corporate environments. It happens in government, military. Uh, there's always somebody, you can look at any given unit and they're in one of those four phases, so to speak. And, um, you know, ultimately you want to get to performing and um, that's, uh, you know, that's, a, that's on you as a leader to find a way to take what you're given and, and make it perform. And, and don't be afraid though, when you go through those initial stages, especially the storming stage, because that's where it literally is just storming. Everybody's trying to figure everything out. Nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody knows what, uh, you know, we, we haven't set expectations yet, or we're not, we're not shooting for the same goal. Um, but once you get everybody on the same page and you start that, you get past that storming phase into the norming and then everybody starts to figure it out and hit their stride and then boom, you're in that performing phase where, uh, the sky's the limit and anything that your team is associated with, it can and will tackle at a very high level. So, um, don't be afraid to take those rebuilding assignments within your company. I've done it a few times. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Are, is it stressful? Is it difficult at times? Absolutely. But when you start to see things pay off and you start to see a unit rise back to the top uh, because of the, the parameters and the, the leadership that you put in place, uh, that is very, very rewarding. So don't don't shy away from it. Don't write it off. Always take those things as an opportunity as opposed to, you know, maybe a punishment or, you know, don't don't look at it as the glass glass is half empty. It's you know, it's got to be half full. And uh, again, everyone's got potential. So go out and recruit the best and uh, good luck with your rebuilding assignments if you have those. Uh, thoughts, comments, questions on that, shoot us an email, standardprotocolpodcast at gmail.com, standardprotocolpodcast at gmail.com. And with that, we'll move into our final topic of the day. 
Okay, and the final topic of the day, I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, last week I talked about uh, song lyrics or quotes that stuck with you, that got you through some tough times, and I wanted to hear some examples from the listeners of a few of those. So we did get a few in the email inbox here, and I'll go ahead and share those with you. Um, Number one here, uh, I believe this is a Taylor Swift uh, quote. I'm not sure... uh, what song it comes from, but just be yourself. There's no one better. Uh, that's pretty sound advice. That's a quote that, uh, even though it came from Taylor Swift, I, I can get behind that. Um, what else did we have here? We had, uh, an Alan Jackson quote, uh, remember when 30 seemed so old now looking back, it's just a stepping stone to where we are, where we've been. And I believe that's from the remember when song, uh, that's a good one as well because it's, uh, I, you know, I was pre 30 when that song came out and, and, uh, yeah, now that, now that I've got some years behind me, uh, that one does, uh, resonate a little bit. Uh, and then the last one I wanted to share with you, uh, this was by Lord again, I don't know which song here, the emailer didn't include the song, but if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. And that is probably the most profound one of those three, uh, because I agree, if you're not uh, somewhat intimidated by going out and chasing your dream and accomplishing what you want to accomplish in life, in life, you need to uh, shoot bigger. I think you need to, you need to uh, live up to a, a bigger potential. We've all got potential in us. It's just a matter of whether or not we want to go out and uh, exude that and, uh, live up to it. So if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. That's a solid quote right there. So, uh, with that, we're going to close out the show for this week. Thank you for joining us on episode 11 here. We look forward to seeing you on number 12 next week. Uh, but if you have any questions, uh, comments, uh, anything you want to see us tackle on the show, uh, get those emails in standard protocol podcast at gmail.com standard protocol podcast at gmail.com. And with that, we're going to close it out for today. Stay safe out there. Take care of each other and we'll see you on the next one.